just as a heads up for people listening, sorry if there's any extra background noise, there's some construction going on. We'll do our best to clean it up, but otherwise just enjoy the nice low hum. I thought you were calling out our four listeners. Just a heads up, four people listening. It's like, wow. <laughs> we have more than that. Okay. Five. At least we have some bots. Yeah. <laughs> I love the bots. Oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it often is that Sean will intro the movie and then you will re-intro it. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great formula. Yeah, I mean, the system works. It's a mansplaining podcast (laughs) and I'm just practicing on Sean. Welcome back to Cage Match starring Nick and Sean. I am Sean. And I'm Nick. With our producer. Peter, hello. This is a roundabout way of meeting Nicolas Cage. Yeah. So a uh, little behind the curtains uh, scene right now. We haven't recorded in a few weeks because of just scheduling things and me having to travel. And it is currently almost nine in the morning, I think. Which is the wrong time for podcasting other than sexy voices. Yeah. yeah. So welcome to a very special cage match in the morning. Get your mimosa and your finest robe. <laughs> Sit back and listen to us debate the finer points of one of America's greatest actors. Mm, definitely our snappiest intro. So this is a podcast where we're going to put 64 Nicolas Cage movies head to head against each other. And we're going to figure out which one is the best. I don't know if somebody said that before. I was kind of staring at my beverage. Peter, you said we have you did the math that we've done 20 movies so far. Yeah, this is uh, we've watched 20 Nicolas Cage movies uh, at least one time. Yeah. Well, I guess I haven't. I've skipped a couple of the ones that I really thought were going to make me want to die. But you still watch Dog Eat Dog. I did. And Ghost Rider. I did. Yeah. And we're going to make you watch one of them again. Your decision making skills suck. Yeah, I'm bad at this. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, our uh, matchup is 1987 Coen Brothers classic Raising Arizona versus 1994 Thing Trapped in Paradise. Period comedy. Yeah. Peter, as I said, it's been like three weeks. Do we usually just go into a film now? Yeah, you basically just kind of start. I mean, how about Raising Arizona? <laughs> All right. I can, I can see why my friends back east think you should be a host. So 19... 19- They're wrong. We don't have the budget for that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We we have one patron. Thank you, Josh. We we love you. Um, okay, sign up for our Patreon. Yeah. It helps us be better. It'll eventually pay for the mimosas. They're part of a sparkle buddy. I mean, we could just have the sparkle buddy tier. Yeah, I like you have to call yourself a sparkle buddy. Ooh. Oh, that's actually really good. All right. Well done. Well thought. No, oh, you're welcome. All right. Uh, so 1987's Raising Arizona, directed by the Coen brothers, starring Nicolas Cage as H.I. McDonough, Holly Hunter as Ed, and John Goodman as Gail. In brief, repeat criminal H.I. McDonough falls in love with the local cop, Ed, after his third parole... He proposes, they get hitched, move into their nice starter home trailer, and decide to uh, start a family. Things don't necessarily go as planned when Ed finds out she's barren, so they steal the favorite child of local unpainted furniture magnate, Nathan Arizona. Hilarity ensues. Without getting into too much detail in the synopsis, those are the broad strokes of the film, uh... Ed's but Ed's best friends from prison break out and uh, come and stay with them. Not Ed's best friends. Hi's best friends. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Hi. 
That kept throwing me off because I'm like, is his name Hyde? I would tell Herbert I McDonough. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Ed does not like them because she is former law enforcement and uh, baby crazy, I think is the only way to put it. She has her husband steal a baby. I think her biggest reservation is that she was a cop and she knows they broke out of prison. I mean, considering everything else they've done at this point, I don't know if that's a big reservation for her. Hey, uh, Grand Theft Baby is not the same as tunneling out of prison. Uh, and they had too many babies, more babies than they could handle. It said so it was in the news. newspaper. I don't know, man. I think they did them a favor. So this was my first time watching this film. I'd never seen this film before. I know it was uh, it's the sec- Coen Brothers second film. I yeah. think they're funny, good writing boys. Uh, this was my first time as well, I believe. I, I think I had maybe caught little bits of it uh, when like Josie was watching it on TV. I don't know. It was a, a first sit down watch through for me. And I enjoyed it. Yeah. It, was a, it was a lot of fun. It was a it was a nice romp. There's a lot of great Coen Brothers aspects of the movie. Yeah. Uh, it's got a nice clip. The The dialogue is all great. It does move fairly rapidly. Like in the first, what, eight minutes, we see H.I. get arrested three times, paroled three times, and get married. Yeah. Very truncated intro, introduces all the main players. Yeah, they don't waste a lot of time. What was a H.I.'s uh, M.O. usually, criminal-wise? Are you quizzing me? I'm quizzing you. No. He, he robbed convenience stores. That's his thing. He that really liked thing. it. Yeah. yeah, it was like his white whale. Yeah. Like, <laughs> convenience yeah. stores, always. Yeah. Always with an unloaded gun. Yeah, it's not uh, armed robbery. It's not armed robbery yeah. if there's no... Uh, yeah, so he robbed convenience stores all the time. Uh, it kind of had like a romanticized relationship with robbing convenience stores, which uh, just comes up throughout the movie. I mean, he also had a romanticized relationship with this cop who just took his mugshot every time he got dragged in there. Well, she was like a beautiful desert flower. <laughs> I mean, the lines in this movie are so good. Oh, it's so good. And Nicolas Cage's narration and his physical comedy in this is a lot of fun to watch like all the faces he makes like, <laughs> he's just like getting beat and he's got like just one eye open and uh according to the coen brothers he got really into his hair during shooting this film the more danger hi was in the bigger the swoop would be which i thought was a fun little detail yeah his hair is wild yeah i think it was uh by far the best comedic performance i've seen from him intentionally comedic because i've seen some funny nick cage i think this is just smoothly like the whole movie has the same like his character is just well defined Mm -hmm. and and this is credit to joel and ethan cohen but well written everything just works throughout yeah and his performance is so consistent he doesn't have bad scenes it's just no he everything that his character is in rocks yeah and it's a short film it's only an hour 30 yeah it goes quick and there's no wasted screen time in this film the cinematography i love just them out in the desert their little silver motorhome when he's stealing the babies <laughs> there's a very great baby's day out scene where all the babies are like getting out of their crib and trying to go downstairs and he has to stop them while not getting caught yeah, his tiptoeing is great. Yeah. <laughs> his little leather like dance shoes or whatever he's wearing all the time. 
his old man shoes, as they would say in Sorcerer's Apprentice. <laughs> oh, so many callbacks. Oh, man. All right. So I remember what we do here. Yeah, I'm getting back. Uh, I'm kind of amazed that we remember any of these. <laughs> it's all I do with my free time. So it's, <laughs> it's my only hobby these days. So kind of getting more into some more of the beats of the film. So Ed is barren. They find out like they are very much trying to have kids. Uh, I think H.I. talks about how they, you know, kind of plan her cycles so they can have their best chance at. And then they just do it the rest of the time, too, just in case. Like he gets tackled coming home from uh, the machine shop one day. I'm going to throw my quote in here right now, but I loved this one. So it's <laughs> high says Edwina's insides were a rocky place where my seed could find no purchase. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a great line. That and is probably the best written line in, the, in this film, at least for Nick Cage. There's a lot of great lines in this film and a lot of quotable ones. His note that he leaves her later in the movie is also pretty eloquent. So yeah. like high shows like he's got some kind of like poetry inside of him <laughs> for somebody who robs convenience stores in like pantyhose on his head. Son, you got panties on your head. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he always sort of has like a vacant look on his face. Yeah. Like I kind of imagine, you know, in cartoons where they like zoom into someone's brain and it's just like another animal like <laughs> bouncing their arms up and down. Yeah. And doing dance. No, like he, he's a living cartoon. This is a live action cartoon. Very much. Even even to the point of the action. So Edwino wants to have children. They can't decide to steal a baby because they they can't handle five babies. Clearly. Yeah. So makes him do it, which, again, great physical comedy. Um, one of the babies crawling under the crib and crawling after it, the tiptoeing. At one point, he can't. He just leaves and he's like, feels bad about kidnapping someone's kid. And she's just like, get get in there high and get me that baby. <laughs> yeah, I want the baby. And then get me the baby. They get home and... Suddenly they're like, we're going to turn over a new leaf. We're going to be good parents. We're going to no more crime. And uh, she gets really mad whenever he never says it like a hard swear around the baby. But damn, she gets like, don't swear around the baby. And he's like, he he's a troublemaker. It's like, no, he's perfect. It's like I can see it in his eyes. He's got that spark. Yeah, he's going to be a little, little outlaw or whatever they said. And of course, uh, as soon as like they have everything they want and life can be normal, High's friends break out of the clink in an amazing birth from the earth situation. <laughs> I just. <laughs> I've seen that scene referenced in so many things. I've never known where it came from until now. I just loved uh, John Goodman, like holding his brother over his head and just yelling. Oh, John Goodman yells so good in this movie. I've got to say, he stole it for me. Like, he is he's the... so good. And I can understand why the Coens ended up working with him a bunch of other yeah. times after yeah. this. He is the yeah, he's amazing. best part of this film. Like acting wise is the best part of this film. I wouldn't go that far, but I mean, I, uh, he's great. Uh, I just I I think Peter, Wait, who's your best Nicholas Cage. OK, yeah, I was going to say like he's incredible Leonard Smalls. <laughs> yeah, Leonard Smalls. <laughs> Leonard Smalls plays like a, a mercenary bounty hunter and he <laughs> comes in and they just show him like destroying everything in this narration of him like which is a dream sequence. Yeah, being extra hard on all of the like good things and the smaller and the cuter it is, the like more aggressive he is towards it. So he's like throwing grenades at rabbits. He takes a shotgun and he shoots a little lizard off of a rock. So, uh, Nick, it's time for my favorite game. 
Let's see how big I can get that uh, vein in the side of Peter's head to swell. Oh, OK. Are uh, you thirsty? Is it time for mouth noises? <laughs> uh. No, uh, I just lo- <laughs> I absolutely love that scene because Ghost Rider makes a callback to that scene when they do the <laughs> riding through the desert. <laughs> yeah. Boo. And I want to refer and I will use any chance I can to reference the cinematic masterpiece that is <laughs> Ghost Rider <laughs> that we have to watch again with Peter. And I'm yeah, just going to watch Peter. And I don't want to totally insert myself into this too much, but fuck Ghost Rider. <laughs> it's probably going all the way now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just out of spite. Your vote is cast. <laughs> Right. We, established, we established last time that uh, if you tell Nick to not do something, he's going to do it. So yeah. Yeah, uh, sorry, a, everyone. It's Ghost a Rider wins. I have. Stop listening to the rest of the episodes. <laughs> but yeah, as things progress, you know, things start to unravel. Uh, they find it difficult to hide the fact that they stole a baby. People are starting to kind of figure things out. High starting to come apart. I'm going to give my quote now because it's what got the best just chuckle out of me is he's narrating how hard things are at home right now. I even caught myself driving by convenience stores that weren't on my way home. Yeah, uh, I might as well give my quote as well. Yeah, since we're at this moment, uh, it's high saying, I even caught myself driving by convenience stores <laughs> that weren't on the way home. <laughs> I thought that really fucking slapped. That That's was a good quote. One. Yeah. Uh, Peter, do you have a quote that you want to share right now? Yeah, the one about convenience stores is really good. <laughs> Nailed it. Okay. <laughs> Stuck the landing. Thanks, um, guys. But yeah, so eventually after he beats up his boss for suggesting they swap uh, on the drive home. Let's be clear. Swap wives. Swap wives. <laughs> and it, he, uh, maybe kids. He had the worst kids. Like one of the kids is just writing fart and crayon on their wall. One kid is just spraying Nick Cage's white pants with a squirt gun and goes, Mr. McDonough beat himself. Mr. McDonough beat himself. Yeah. Those kids so this are one, all fucking one of the kids had an eye patch and was just throwing jello at high. Yeah, it was a little girl. <laughs> just handfuls of jello, like green jello with berries in it. Yeah. So do you count this as a movie with a good kid or a bad kid situation? Because those kids sucked, but the baby was pretty rad. Oh, Nathan Jr.? Yeah. yeah. Oh, he was just the sweetest little thing. Yeah. Just melts my heart. <laughs> I would say this goes in the good kid category because everyone who meets Nathan Jr. falls in love with that kid. Yeah, and immediately. Then that, I mean, even... Uh, even Gail and yeah, Evel. Yeah, Gail and Evel at the uh, at the end, they kidnap the baby to turn it in for the reward. The reward but then suddenly fall in love with it. And they're like, this is our baby. Well, they also keep leaving the baby on the top of the car. (laughs) And then they'll like drive away. Like they'll rob somebody drive away. And it's like, Oh, where's that baby? And then they have to go back and twice. And then, yeah, but, the baby always just lands perfectly. Okay. On the floor. It's always fun. I've left things on the top of my car. That's not how that goes. Have you left a baby on top of your car? Not mine. Well then wait. (laughs) After Ed kind of, completely curtails his life he uh goes into a convenience store to buy some huggies and just while he's in there decides to stick up the place ed sees him do this you know gets out of car you know fuck you ha fuck you and like drives off as she's driving off high turns back and the convenience store teenager has a giant gun i think they had like one gun for this movie and everyone just had this massive just fucking revolver but then the cops immediately show up and High is running through the street, uh, holds up a guy in a pickup truck, gets him to drive off. Dogs start running after him. But just the amount, the sheer amount of, ex- what's the word I'm thinking of? Chaos. Chaos, but uh, excessive force in this oh. <laughs> in this scene. Because there's a cop just literally sitting 
in the window of his car, just blasting away. Uh, cops are the worst. Yeah. No, I mean. This... So that's bad cop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no, like, Nicolas Cage cops in this movie. Yeah, there's no Nick Cage cops in either of these movies. But, like, the whole scene in the in the grocery store, because he runs into a grocery store to try and get away from the cops, and the cop is just shooting, like, running down aisles, just oh, letting yeah. go. And then everyone in the store joins in like the butcher pulls out a shotgun and just starts shooting at nick cage and there's dogs running through like there's now a pack of dogs it went from one dog in a backyard to just a pack of dogs chasing this lady with a shopping cart it it's a great scene oh (laughs) also reminded me of birdie too where like the little dogs have joined the pack oh yeah yeah (laughs) there's another uh callback uh, another callback to another movie we watched nick cage like an adaptation goes through a windshield well, the windshield was blown out, but he goes out the front of a car when they when it crashes. Yeah. This whole time, though, it's that like yodeling yeah. music, right? Oh, yeah. Again, this yeah. is this is a live action cartoon. And to the point where the bounty hunter that he dreams will find them one day is actually a real person. Yeah. Leonard Smalls is there to find Gail and Evel. He's there to find the two escaped prisoners and then finds out about this baby situation. Solely by being atop a hill. Yeah. Looking and- down at a trailer. Yeah, and then he uh, extorts Nathan Arizona Sr. for more money, and then it becomes a whole thing. Which turns into the climax of the film. So that's how he gets roped into trying to find this baby. Well, I mean, let's talk about Gail and Abel steal the baby. let's talk about that. What, them taking the baby? No, I'm kidding. Them taking the baby, losing the baby, getting it back, and then they're going to go rob a bank. Can't leave the baby in the car because if they get if they get killed in the bank, no one will find the baby for days. So they bring the baby into the bank robbery, which has one of my favorite just not Nick Cage lines. Of the film's like, all right, everybody freeze. Get on the ground. Well, what is it? Do you want us to freeze? Get on the ground. Because if we freeze, we can't move. We get on the ground. We can't freeze on account of us moving to get on the ground. Both these films had like really snarky. They had people almost, being bank robbed. Well, they had almost the same bank robbery scenes. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, that's really true. Of course, blue dye is put in the bag of the money they steal, which when it goes off in the car, and everything's blue and John Goodman is just screaming <laughs> while trying to wipe paint off the windshield while careening out of control. Just, oh, I was dying. But of course, this leads to Ed and High trying to get the baby back and meeting the the bounty hunter and Nick Cage getting the ever loving shit kicked out of him. Oh, it, it was such an entertaining scene when <laughs> he's got the board, like after he hits Leonard off the, uh, I'm just going to keep calling him Leonard. Yeah. Uh, off the motorcycle and then throws the knife at him and he catches the knife in the board and he just gives us like this super <laughs> just stony. Whoa. <laughs> him trying to climb under the car to get away and just getting yeah. dragged back out by his ankles. <laughs> Spits a, he spits a tooth in a... In, Le- oh, Tex Cobb was the character's name. Leonard. It's a way better bounty hunter name. And of course, uh, when he's pretty much being murdered, uh, crushed there, he's high as just grabbing at Leonard and Leonard's just got grenades on him. So he like finally gets away, finally like gets dropped and shows the pin. And Leonard just stands there dumbfounded for like a solid five seconds before attempting to take off his vest and then just meaty chunks. Yeah, he's got uh, two shotguns in his hands, so he can't, like, get them out of his hands fast enough to get the grenade away. He gets gets gibbed. Is it jibbed or gibbed? I don't know. Put it in a comment. Tell tell me all about your vernacular. 
baby. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they get the baby back. They decide to return it and to be forgiven for doing the right thing. Well, he was going to give him money. And then he was like, oh, these motherfuckers. Uh, he doesn't say that. I mean, he's like, oh, you two stole the baby. And they're like, uh, end of movie. Yeah, we couldn't have our own. He well, was bad for them. Not necessarily. The and then end. there's a dream sequence. extended dream sequence of them having a bunch of kids in the future, even though they say they're going to you know they have a family and maybe things will work out. And I mean, considering he dreamed up, you know, this cartoonishly evil bounty hunter, maybe he wills it. But it was a, it was a nice little cap on it. Yeah. It's a positive outlook. I have a few fun facts. One of my favorite shots in the film is during his first dream where he imagines uh, what is uh, Florence, Arizona, discovering the missing baby. And it's going through the fields in this like low angled shot, like shaky cam thing that is very reminiscent of Evil Dead 2. Because they were had such a huge they were such huge fans of Sam Raimi that they wanted to do the up the building in the window scene. So one of the things that I think is really fascinating about this and, you know, anybody who listens to the Blank Check podcast has heard all of this, but the Coens and Sam Raimi and Ted Raimi and Francis McDormand and Holly Hunter and fucking Kathy Bates were roommates. Wow. Weird. Yeah. And one of the Coens is married to Francis McDormand. So it's like the start of it all was there. So there's a lot of like collaboration. And you think about like watching the early Evil Dead movies and this and some of the fight scenes and stuff like that felt so fucking similar. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of love between those three. That's a good segue into my next fun fact about collaboration. Uh, apparently, Nick Cage and the Coens really clashed on this one in terms of Nick Cage wanting to improvise more, put more of himself into it, like, have more control over it. And the, he wasn't used to directors having a very tight, focused idea. And a lot of Nick Cage's improvised scenes were cut from the film because it didn't, it clashed with like the view of the film was hmm. interesting yeah that's funny uh and not to dive into the next movie too early or anything but the cast on trapped in paradise also clashed with their director yeah. but to the point where nicholas cage ended up directing a bunch of it yeah and they had the opposite problem yeah. where the director didn't want to direct it yeah and the actors didn't want to be in it yeah apparently kevin costner auditioned for uh high three times that would not have been as good. Probably the most interesting thing, just in terms of what I know about filmmaking, the script was written in three and a half weeks, and it took 10 weeks to shoot. I mean, this is early in the Cohen's career, so that part kind of makes sense to me, like a fairly short timeline, fairly tight budget. Yeah. You know? I mean, they had one movie that had come out before blood that. That simple. was weird. Yeah. And they like really pivoted from that to this. Hmm. Well, they wanted to do something completely different, something more lighthearted. They wanted to do something funny. And uh, I think they succeeded. Yeah, it's funny um, and lighthearted. Well, and then I have just a quick question. Yeah. Do, you, do you guys like the Coen brothers? Yeah. Okay. I like some of their films. I feel like an idiot a lot of the times when I watch their movies. I think they are well-written. I think they are good. But I'm often like, why is this good? You know, am I too dumb for this? And I'm now just like posturing that I like them because everyone I'm else does. stupid and everyone else does. Yeah. I really like their writing. I love their dialogue. I'm going to be honest in terms of the acting in this film. I was not blown away. It's just, it's it's meant to serve a purpose and it's meant to, it works for what this movie is, but none of it like wowed me. Well, it's not a 
a realistic performance no. film. It's it's definitely a performance catered to the overall I don't know, artistic design of the movie. I get that. I just don't know that it necessarily works for me. Mm. But again, the writing is so snappy and so on point, which is what I absolutely love about that. About the, the way Coens. they write dialogues. Great. Yeah. That's and what I, mean, I love the most about it. And them. my favorite Coen Brothers film is still Fargo, which is much more self-serious while still being a comedy and much more not so much of a cartoon. And having never seen this film before, I think on my initial watch, it that didn't click in until too late in the film for me to appreciate what was going on. Definitely looking forward to watching it again, be it for this or just on my own, just to really kind of go in there with the right mindset. Cause it wasn't until a little over halfway when, you know, all the shooting starts where I realized I'm like, Oh, I'm watching, I'm watching a cartoon. I kind of feel like because this is a morning episode, we need like morning radio sound effect board, like a toilet flushing right now. And then <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Yeah. I can I can we'll go prank flush call somebody later. Hell yeah, let's do it. Okay, prank call. You guys, prank you guys want to prank Adam? <laughs> <laughs> yes. We'll call him on my phone. and He'll just have caller ID. Like, hey man, is your, is your is your fridge running? Wait, can you do that more like Dana Carvey in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I fucking hated that laugh. Oh man. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, let's just get into it. Trapped in Paradise, Before... 1994. <laughs> Starring Nick Cage as Bill Furpo, John Lovitz as Dave Furpo, and Dana Carvey as Alvin Furpo. I'm going to give you a fun fact just because we were talking about that laugh. Uh, Dana Carvey based his character or his voice for this movie on one of the producers and uh, a young Mickey Rourke. Somebody from 20th Century Fox had to fly out and tell him to stop doing the voice. And Nicolas Cage told him to keep doing it. So he just kept doing it. (laughs) I mean, this movie had no rules. There was there was no adult supervision. Not at all. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there. yeah. There's so many great, like, behind-the-scenes stories of just these guys fucking off. I'm sure. So this is a movie about three brothers who find themselves in Pennsylvania robbing a bank, and the robbery is foiled through the kindness of the town. Womp, womp. But it gets better, so... That's my brief synopsis. That's about, yeah, that's about right. (laughs) Good morning, Seattle. (laughs) Oh, great. The comedy the police cops. are asking. <laughs> Bad uh, cop. <laughs> man, we need to just start with like the second half of our podcast because they're always funnier. <laughs> yeah, so in this movie... Uh, Nicholas Cage is playing Bill Furpo. He's, I'm guessing, the middle child of the three brothers. John Lovitz and Dana Carvey are in jail. In jail. They are like on parole, but they are lifelong criminals. Mm-hmm. And I think early on, we're kind of led to believe that Nick Cage, you know. Well, he has a checkered past. He has a checkered past, but not as bad right he's tried to atone for it he finds a wallet and like ends up you know giving it back but really struggled because it had like 800 bucks in it he's a manager at some restaurant i do love the line when he goes to confession about the wallet because he feels bad that he like he even had thoughts of keeping it it's like forgive me father if i have sinned it's been two weeks since my last confession and the (laughs) priest just goes is that bill furpo it's been five years since you've been in here (laughs) yeah that was good did you guys think that was fucking paul schrader 
oh as the priest <laughs> no because i don't mentally project him into anything i'm doing anymore it's like uh, anymore i used a, to but is this not a slender man situation you just see paul schrader everywhere you go now it is a nightmare for me <laughs> you're like is this movie gonna be funny oh is that paul schrader no uh yeah so he's uh bill furpo nicholas cage is just trying to live a straight life finds out his brothers are getting released uh early early parole i love dave's speech at the <laughs> parole board because he just starts in talking about dinosaurs and pterodactyls and how they fly over their problems and all this and the parole board's just like what or is there is there a point to this? Just skip to the end. And he's like, oh, OK. And he like mentally fast forwards for a second. He's like, and like the mighty pterodactyl, I will fly above all my problems. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, God. Also, th- both these movies had great parole board scenes. Yep, Good parole board scenes. Nice parallels again. No, these yeah. both. They, well, we can talk about this briefly at the end, but there were a lot of weird parallels in these two films. It's like we've been given 64 different versions of the same movie just presented through different eyes. The NCU. Yeah. (laughs) The Nick Cage (laughs) universe. Oh, man. Uh, So they get paroled. Yeah, he has to pick them up. I like how when John Lovitz is leaving uh, the prison, he tips uh, one of the guards. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He just treats it like he's leaving an Italian restaurant. (laughs) Get yourself something nice. (laughs) John Lovitz is just like a chronic liar like he never tells the truth and dana carvey plays a kleptomaniac i mean he's just stealing something in every scene like from the very beginning he steals the parole board uh officials like tie pin yeah i don't know i'm assuming he like shook his hand or like yeah steals uh, all the pens knowing alvin he probably hugged him at the end i was gonna say when you get paroled you get to hug everybody so that's how it goes i also uh, i do like when uh i'm still on the lamb thing (laughs) so i haven't Fortunately, we're going to record this in a new spot soon, so take that, cops. Yeah. You'll never take us alive, coppers. I do Don't like... give them the option, like <laughs> the out. It's like, no, no, please try to take us alive. Well, if the cops in this movie are any indication, they fucking shoot first, like regular cops. <laughs> and the last movie, too. Again. Yeah. Oh, I loved when uh, Alvin, just being a kleptomaniac, he tries to steal the toy out of a box of Captain Crunch. <laughs> Not the cereal. doesn't want to take the whole box of cereal. He just wants the toy. Yeah, and it must be terrible having a brother like that around because they're in this town in Pennsylvania and they're getting the materials they need to rob this bank, like ski masks and stuff. And he's just emptying out a box of cereal on the floor just for a plastic piece of shit toy. But then you get like a funny moment where he like takes the toy and like steps to walk away and it's just like Captain Crunch under his feet. And he sits there, looks at it, And then slowly takes another step. And it's like, ah, 1994. Ah, yes, that very specific brand of comedy. It is. So, yeah, the two boys are out on parole. So John Lovitz told his mother and Bill that he had this note and it was from another inmate. And they were saying like, oh, check on my daughter. Uh, So-and-so stop story. So they... 
while in town. There's and, uh, the, that scene where they make Ma Furpo read the <laughs> yeah. letter. Oh yeah. <laughs> and what is it? If you and if you don't, I will get out of prison and I will like, rip off your head and shit down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's crying at how beautiful this letter is. <laughs> so both very eloquent letter movies again another connection yeah the written word we powerful what i'm saying is we watched the same movie twice yeah but this time with john lovitz instead of john goodman yeah we changed johns yeah Mm. that's a john downgrade yeah uh so yeah they go to pennsylvania because they got this letter and then while out and about in town Fucking Alvin tries robbing someplace like he's taking the money out of the register. And then that was in New York. Yeah, in New York. Uh, And Bill is like, hey, stop it. And then they get chased by the cops. Nicolas Cage, you know, convinces the cop that he was an undercover cop from the Bronx or something. uh, Lower Queens. Lower Queens. And thank you for being the detail guy today. Uh, Again, so I just between travel and work this week, I just watched this movie at 10 o'clock last night. Yeah. <laughs> so it hasn't even been 12 hours. Since Hot and fresh. Watch. Yeah, it's all in there. Yeah. Pretends to be a cop. Long story short, Dave convinces Bill that he left his wallet at the crime scene and the cops are coming to get him. So they run away and they run to Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that makes sense. Yeah, I followed. Well, you've seen the movie. Yeah. When does that matter for this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I'm fairly certain our entire audience does not watch these movies except for jujitsu the number of people have told me they've watched jujitsu because of our talking about jujitsu i think we should get a commission i i think i have just more discerning friends because they are not watching jujitsu based on what we said i have a hard time believing you have more discerning friends considering you're friends with us i thought you were gonna say friends and i was like dick move so yes they go to paradise pennsylvania yep in pursuit of sarah the daughter of this guy they end up in this bank because there's a girl who works there named Sarah. Sarah Connors? Uh, some, no, that's, that's Terminator. Terminator. Okay. Uh, Sarah, Sarah, Sarah C something. It's close. Yeah. Connolly. Inconsequential. Connelly. Yeah. Yeah. But doesn't a different Sarah, different name. Yeah. Sarah, but different last name. They go in and... It doesn't matter. This character will never be developed. Yeah. It's the girl from Twin Peaks. Uh, a different one a from different last week. A different girl. Yeah. They're in there and then they just like see how fucking robbable this bank is because obviously this is what Dave brought them down there for. The security guard is a hundred years old and is asleep. Yeah. And won't wake up for anything. The cameras aren't plugged in. Yeah. Like the the wires are just hanging from the cameras. It's ripe for the plundering. And similar to the last movie, they get there right as like there's a ton of money coming into the bank. Right. Dave is just like man check this place out and bill's like it's like doesn't matter there's no money in the vault and right as the door gets kicked in with giant bags of money with like practically has dollar signs on them yeah bank is re-upped they got that going for him so they decide they're gonna rob this bank i do want to talk about that scene though because they're driving away bill gets them (laughs) out of there and they're driving away from the bank and bill just says Man, if I had a gun, I'd rob. The, I'd go back in there and rob the bank right now. And Dave's just like, so what Bill, if I told you. What if I told you <laughs> there were some guns in the trunk? <laughs> and then, they, you know, yeah, because he got the, like he got the car yeah. from a gun runner. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a high likelihood that there's guns in the trunk. <laughs> Nick Cage like Probably pulls over on the side. Of like, You're telling me there's guns in that trunk? I'm like telling you where I got it from. I'm like, but you haven't seen them. No. And then opens it and Dana Carvey's like, hey, there's guns in the trunk. 
This movie had its moments. It did. Like, it's not the same, like, writing style. Also, kind of funny that both movies are writer-director combinations. So this written by the... uh, Again, the director of this film wrote the first two Bad Boys films. So we're fucking on top. Yeah. They rob the bank. We'll just get right through this. They rob the bank. Uh, There's another great bank robbery scene where someone, like, raises their hand and has something to say about how they're robbing the bank. Yeah. For me, this movie, I felt pretty solid on this movie. Then we get to the bank robbery scene, and I'm like, I I just didn't like it so much. I appreciate what they were doing, because, like, they get in there, they're robbing the bank, but the bank vault is locked because the bank manager is at lunch across the street. So the wife of the bank manager, who has explained this to us, is taken across. Then Nicolas Cage and Dana Carvey are in the restaurant and then they have to redeclare that it's a robbery, but they have to specify it's a bank robbery. So they take everybody from the restaurant back to the bank. I love that Because they scene. didn't want any witnesses. Yeah, because Dana Carvey's like, well, if we leave him here, any one of them call the cops. Yeah. So they escort everyone across the street. And now the... <laughs> They just bring everybody into the bank and it's meanwhile, uh, fucking John Lovitz is telling stories and like coaching people on like, like Lamaze and stuff on like how to just get through it. I don't understand what Lamaze is. I'm going to say that right now because I'm not a childbearing human yet. It's probably the most PC thing you've ever said on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) But they bring everybody back to the bank and finally... You know, get the vault open, get the money and leave. As they're leaving town, a blizzard is rolling in. And this is how we get the name Trapped in Paradise, because now they can't get out. I want to just throw this in here right now. Speaking of the blizzard, my favorite fun fact about this film is because they needed the whole town to be covered in snow. They used 75,000 pounds of custom biodegradable potato flakes to add to the snow on the ground. Yeah, it's like Idaho flakes. Yeah. And they were from Idaho. Yeah. When we were watching this, Josie was just like, how are they even trapped? These roads are clear. Like, they're freshly plowed throughout all the movie. Yeah, the criminals have no problem getting to paradise. Yeah. It's just like uh, all these potato flakes are just the mounds of snow that they've built up to make it look like there was a lot of snow, but it's been plowed. It's like anybody could drive out of there. As Sean said, some uh, criminals from New York whose original idea it was, it was their idea to rob this bank. John Lovitz and Dana Carvey just got out first and then robbed it. And then when these criminals got out, they went on a little adventure. That scene with the criminals in prison was fucking stupid. Where it's oh, like, yeah. it's them talking about this whole situation. And they're like, tell the story about your, your daughter's bank again. And he tells the story and it's like, hey, did you hear those furpos got out? Well, also the bank just got robbed. Convenient. Yeah. Like, fuck. That no, was bad. That's absolutely true. It's a bad scene. It's, oh, it's a terrible scene. So much of this is just like, I mean, you get so many scenes in this movie where it's just presentational. It's like, OK, there has to be this plot point. We don't know how to like eloquently get through it. So here is people giving you the story. Yeah, I wrote him feeding it for you. Oh, yeah, no, it's 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 exposition, baby. Yeah. Then they went down. Well, they kidnapped Ma Furpo and you get lots of good Ma Furpo being a sassy old lady and annoying the robbers or the 
criminals and then they go down to paradise and hijinks. Hijinks do ensue. So after they rob the bank, they try and get out of paradise because once you've done a crime, you generally don't want to stay around. There's that scene where Dana Carvey like is just revving the engine because he wants to just see how high he can get the needle to go and then just peels out right when they get to the car. (laughs) Does the classic like drives away when you get to the door. Yeah, twice. So they have a stolen car, go back to their car. But while driving out of town, cop sees them, starts chasing them. They go over a bridge and they get picked up by a good Samaritan going back to paradise, uh, Wedwalk West style. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is the son of the bank manager. Yeah, so then they end up having Christmas Eve dinner with the bank manager and the bank manager's wife. And Sarah this upstairs. is where all the kindness keeps coming out. And it's like they take care of them because they, you know, don't have any luggage or clothing. And they give them like clean clothes. They give and, them their Christmas presents to yeah. each other, which are clothes. This isn't my quote for the movie, but this has one of the most just disjointed lines in the film, which is uh, Sarah sees uh, Nick Cage in the living room because she rents a room upstairs you know it's like what are you doing here and he's just like i've had a bad night that i'd rather not recount that dog has three legs (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) which apparently the dog was just owned by someone in the town who the director saw like spectating one day and they were like let's get a three-legged dog in this movie so the kindness of the town keeps kind of warming their heart making them want to not take this money they try to they end up trying to like take the money back and like return it to the bank because Nicolas Cage sees that he still has the bank manager's keys. They fuck up trying to put it back in, end up setting off the alarm and they leave the money at the uh, local pastor's front door and tell him to like get it back to the people. And then they run off. I think my favorite part of the end of the movie was just them escaping in the horse and sleigh. It was their third or fourth escaped attempt. Yeah. But now they're they steal the horse and sleigh from the mentally handicapped person and son of the uh, sheriff sheriff, who is a deputy. Yeah. And I don't know, like they show him shooting later and doesn't he hit somebody like shoot somebody? Yeah, he 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 saves the day. He knocks the gun out of uh, one of the criminals hands and then shoots the the other criminal through the window. And so for somebody who's that cross eyed being able to shoot straight, that was impressive. I mean, like he literally looked like one of the assholes from uh, Spaceballs. Right. (laughs) His eyes are crossed. Yeah, (laughs) I enjoyed it. There's a pretty decent chase sequence where they're on the sleigh and like they're the FBI is uh, doing a low budget Blues Brothers style like pile up behind them. Yeah. Which was kind of fun. I got to say, I loved Richard Jenkins as the FBI agent. Yeah. He's but so fucking good. Like, he's a great actor. What the fuck was his name? I tried oh, looking agent at it. Pazer like, or something. Yeah. yeah. What was his first name? It's like Sebulba. Sebulba Pazer. Sebulba Pazer. That's my next D&D character. Sebulba Watto. You got all the good ones. Yeah. So... The town gets the money back. The bad guys get rearrested. Uh, Nicholas Cage and his brothers kind of get off, you know, like the town. For, again, much like the last film, the town forgives them. Yeah, uh, it's a Christmas movie. Yeah. Well, like the FBI agents there. OK, there's no money. There's no hard evidence, but there's a town full of people who saw him. And they're like, yep, not these guys. They saved the town. The FBI agent also does point out that two of them have broken parole. Well, parole violations is pretty below yeah, the fair. FBI. So just just nobody seems to care. But again, Christmas movie. Yeah, it's a Christmas movie. I mean, this might be my new go to bad Christmas movie, uh, seen as I can't really watch the ref anymore. Thanks to Kevin Spacey. Fuck you, Spacey. I'll keep that in. It's it's cool to say fuck Spacey. 
That's uh, the movie. Nick my, Cage. Nick fine. Cage finds love at well, the end. Yeah. Hooray. Oh, yeah. By, with a really boring person. With a character who was never developed. Nobody was developed. But again, we said the director had no interest in directing this film. Without oversight, Nick Cage is wildly all over the place. You see every instant of caging out in this film. I think this is the most cagey film that we've seen so far. I know he has some other ones that are crazier, but like but I, I made a note of it. It was like, holy fuck. Every scene, every delivery, mid delivery, he will change his candor. Like this is not a consistent character. At and, all. He's and, the straight man. and he's the straight man. And he's the straight man. There's a scene that's very cagey and it's when they're waiting for the bank key and he just goes, key, key. When's he get back? <laughs> <laughs> or when he's just chasing the bank manager's wife around. Come here. Come here. I get you. Come here. I do like. The cop is coming after us. The cop is coming after yeah. us. Most of my quotes involve him being mad at Dana Carvey. Yeah. I didn't love to the point of remembering any Nicolas Cage stuff. It's like, ah, it was good for what it was. And the performance he brought to the quotes was fine. Uh, none of them, I think, made it into like a requotable sentence for me uh for me like the best quote of the movie is a dana carvey quote and it's just at the very end when ma uh ma furbo is like oh your brother's gonna get hitched when are you two gonna get hitched and dana carvey's just like hitched we're not even attracted to each other that's a great line <laughs> Uh, in reference to him and uh, Dave. There's also just another good little interaction when they first get out of prison and you see Dana Carvey, who is clearly not all there. They're driving away and Dana Carvey's just in the back seat and asks if they can stop on the way uh, home to get some ring dings and milk. Yeah. And Nick ring just dings goes, and milk for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> ring dings and milk? Oh, sure. Then we'll get some balloons and go to a puppet show. What are you? Two years old? So my favorite quote <laughs> came like good. right after that too. So it's same car situation. And then he, he, he's explaining to them how, because they're out on parole, he's in charge of them. So he says, so quiet down my little ones and call me dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His performance is very weird in this. It's not super consistent. It's not in line. I feel like with the, uh, uh, I would I would say the tone of the movie, but it's all such a fucking mess. Yeah, I, I think because the director was so hands off on any of the performances, Cage just got to sort of do whatever he wanted. Well, like apparently, yeah. according to John Lovitz, the director just yeah didn't want to direct, and he just kind of told them to do whatever they wanted, which is wild. They're definitely trying to ride on that uh, that high of Nicolas Cage throughout the year. Well, also, this is like Dana Carvey and John Lovitz's like first, I think, first film after leaving SNL. Yeah. And 1994 was a big year for Nick Cage. This was the fourth film, Nick Cage film, to be released that year. We had uh, Red Rock West, which was filmed a couple years earlier, but got released that year. Um, Guardian Test, which we haven't seen, and It Could Happen to You. And two of those movies we will be discussing again later as they've already uh, made their way to the second round. But yeah, that was Trapped in Paradise. Yeah, it was a fun movie. I uh, enjoyed so watching it. Two I weird wasn't... comedy of errors, um, tying it and tying it to uh, Wedwalk West. It's another thing where it's like, all right, a crime has happened. Now I'm going to leave town. Oh, wait, I'm not. Yeah. I'm trapped here. So, you know, fun times had by all. Um, I think on an initial watch, I think I enjoyed the stupidity of Trapped in Paradise more, not having grokked onto what was going on with Raising Arizona. Uh, immediately, but I think Raising Arizona is going to be more fun to watch a second time. I would say definitely Raising Arizona through both of my watches and 
the Coens are just so they made it such a captivating movie. They did. Like, they caught they me from really the very did. beginning. They they just hit you with such a great premise, walking Nicolas Cage in repeatedly, getting his mugshot done, and you see his relationship. And it's it's so big. Everything is so big. It's like Ed is such a hard cop. She's like, turn to the left, turn to the left. No, then I'm, next time it's like you know, she, she's a little softer. Then she's crying because her fiance uh, broke up with her. Yeah, obviously no, it's the better movie. Yeah, it, um, it is. And I am look that one. I'm so much more looking forward to rewatching and having a more a self-aware view of it. Yeah. So uh, next episode, we're back on to the serious bracket and we have Leaving Las Vegas and the runner which i don't remember i think it's a political never heard thriller. of that. but i'm kind of excited because i haven't seen leaving las vegas have you guys no i've not i've not no. seen any yeah i've never seen a nicholas cage movie that's a lie <laughs> you've seen 20 <laughs> yeah how about a little sign off uh i love you peter oh thank you you guys suck do i have to say it back <laughs> <laughs> goodbye everybody good night and good god morning. bless <laughs> Hayden, jump down in the comments and tell Explain us like, bracketology. how bracket, yeah, bracketology yeah. works. Uh, do it in the comments and don't do it to me while I'm trying to sleep. Yeah. <sighs> Actually, whisper it to him in his sleep. Just That's how it gets in deep. Yeah, Fair. just snake your way in. Please, please don't.